Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Well, thank you very much, Valerie Smallbone, and welcome to Middle Age Warriors. It is. One year anniversary! One year anniversary. We, we made, made it. it. Yes. Holy smokes. And they said it wouldn't last. Happy anniversary, kid. Thanks, man. You too. You don't look a year older. You look six years older. Like feel, all of us. <laughs> I, I feel a lot older. Oh, man. What a year that was, wasn't it? What a year it was. Well, the Middle-Aged Warriors, one year old. And we were talking about statistically when we first started this, if you remember, that the average podcast, which, of course, there were... I think millions of at this point in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's only about six or seven episodes. So I guess we're well into our 40s, episode-wise, that is. So uh, we're, we're doing okay. We're survivors. We're there. Yeah, we're survivors. Yeah, and we're on to year two mm -hmm. as you drink up on the wine. What we want to do is go back to, it was March 2nd of uh, last year, 2020, just before the uh, pandemic set in. And uh, this is what our first few moments of our show sounded like. Oh, my goodness. Here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Hi, this is Rick Summers. And I'm Chris Samino here on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, here we are, our maiden voyage. Welcome to the middle-aged warriors. We come without armor or physical weapons, but we come with experience. Yeah, the inevitable experience that if you live long enough, middle age is going to kick you right in the you-know-where just when you least expect it. Our show's called The Middle-Aged Warriors because... Well, that's what we are, and we have a feeling that there are many more of you out there. So, Rick, why don't you jump in right now and uh, tell everybody a little bit how you got to this point. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I, but... We're little W warriors. Very little. <laughs> but that little W still carries a lot of weight, because every day we fight battles, whatever they may be, just to pull our asses out of bed mm -hmm. and live our lives. And in that sense, yes, we are all warriors, and we are now middle-aged, hence the name of our show. Yes, right now. You know, I'm thinking there's a, a penalty in football called piling on, <laughs> and that's... I know, you know that one. Yeah, and as you mentioned, that, that laundry list of losses, it's like, wow, that's piling on. Yeah, little did we know how much piling on there was to come. We were talking about piling on from just what had happened previously in our lives. Piling on is a bitch. Yeah, well, that was, uh, you know, and obviously just in a matter of a couple of weeks, we were dealing, you know, with the, the pandemic hitting. Yeah. The lockdown. It really, I guess it took our show in a completely different direction than what we had planned on initially. Yeah, there, were, there was a lot of loss last year. I was just looking at my notes and I see that the 2020 stock market crash began on March 9th. The Dell fell 2,013 points wow. to 23,851. The Dow now is up at 31,000. Right. So, hey, we're what, resilient. What goes up goes down and goes back up again. Something so, like that. So that's yeah. good. Well, I can only hope. But uh, as we move forward, in talking about what the idea of the show was, you know, we were talking about being middle-aged, middle-aged men in particular, and, and the challenges and the things we deal with. And one of the first guests we had on actually uh, was a, a doctor who was uh, Dr. James Hollis, who was really a, a, a sort of a psychologist of sorts for men and men's issues and dealing with uh, confronting those issues as men. And one of the things I learned from him was that men tend to treat 
the symptoms of the problem as opposed to the finding problem. out the cause of the problem, oh. yeah, which I think is pretty profound. You know what, and as long as you mention that, I want to also tell our family here that you can go back and listen to any of our older shows because some of them are really, really, I don't want to say groundbreaking because that sounds corny, well, awesome. but, uh, but certainly interesting. And, of course, that's the Believe Podcast Network that you can find all those, which is where we are right now. So moving forward, one of the shocking things that can happen to you at this age, of course, is... Opening well, the mailbox. Opening the mail and finding out there's a certain organization that's got your number and they're looking for you. Welcome to Middle-Aged yeah. Warriors. Is it okay if you're kind of in that class of now being a middle-aged warrior? Well, I mean, I guess I am. I'm 50 years old, and Ooh. I don't know a lot of 100-year-olds walking yeah. around <laughs> this earth. So I, I probably am past. I'm past the uh, middle-aged thing. Plus, I got my AARP card. Oh, that's that's the yeah. slam dunk right there. I was going to say. I got it 50, on the you, mail. <laughs> yeah. If you're 50 and you got something from AARP, dude, you're in the program. Let me ask you this, Alfredo. Did you tear it up and throw it in the garbage like I did for the Oh, first I year? screamed in front of my house. <laughs> it, I was in front of the mailbox and I was like, how dare you? How dare you? And I, you know, I, I don't even know where it is. Yeah, that's a funny reaction indeed, but I, <laughs> I, I was sort of reluctant with AARP as well. But Not me. I love the deals. Yeah, you seem to have embraced it very nicely. It, <laughs> it took me a few years. That was a, a reluctant one, but, but it's a great organization and important as well. But, so, you know, you and I, both being from the communication industry and the broadcast industry, there are something that basically drives the income, and it's ah, called ratings. Ratings, yeah, yeah. And, and demographics, yeah. yeah. You brought up an interesting point uh, early on in one of our shows as well. From... A media businesses, radio and television, where the key demo for mm -hmm. sales is 25 to 54. Right. And I remember a few years ago when I turned 55, I was like, <laughs> holy crap. Yeah. I don't count we anymore. Don't, we don't count. Well, I don't care. I still say we count. Yeah, I guess so. Tough nuggies. <laughs> <laughs> In some way, shape, or form. They take my money. Advertisers still take my money, so Absolutely. I must Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So one of the other things that was really uh, strongly impacted, and is still, to this day, uh, having a hard time recovering, and it's going to be a while, the travel industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, from, from COVID. It, it really, so many, so many people lost jobs. And that's and why it was especially interesting during uh, 2020 to have on board with us a travel expert, a guy who's actually known as the travel detective. Oh, yeah. And that would be Peter Greenberg, who is just um, a gem to talk to. A travel sleuth, as you <laughs> might say. But he, is, he actually has some, had some great information in this uh, interview as well on our show in terms of things that you don't really think of as a traveler that you can take advantage of and to make traveling uh, a little bit easier. But he had a great perspective. But you had an interesting question up top. Yeah, because, I mean, this shows how shallow I am. I wanted to know how many frequent flyer miles he had accrued over the years. <laughs> and the voice you're going to hear, uh, which you may have already noticed, is that of the travel detective, Peter Greenberg, who is uh, just a prince for being able to join us at late notice to talk about being a middle-aged warrior um, and certainly a warrior of the road. How many miles do you think you've traveled over the years, Peter? Well, I think there are only about five people who have more miles than I do. Oh. Uh, I'm up at about 23 and a half million. Wow. Are those frequent flyer miles? Those are, those are all frequent flyer miles, yep. Oh, so my you, goodness. What you do you do, though? 
You could cash in on a trip to Mars with those probably, right? <laughs> well, one no, way, you, one way. No, you could, you, in the old days, you could earn a trip to Mars, cashing them in, another problem. But right. good, <laughs> good point. But yeah, look. Ah, Peter, such a treat to talk to. And we still haven't been able to get together, which means you're probably on a plane somewhere and, and not able to respond to your email. But thank you again. It was a pleasure having you on board. You know, one of the things that's really been affected, uh, not just for us as New Yorkers, but um, across the country, is the fact that theater has been shut down and decimated mm. by the coronavirus. And we're impacted by that living here in New York, in Manhattan, and seeing the theaters darkened. But one of the things we were able to do is talk to somebody who's got his foot pretty well entrenched in the Broadway community and to see what his thoughts were about the virus. And That's, uh, that would be the one and only my cousin, actually, Max von Essen. Uh, he gives us a little bit of a background of what it meant to him to have to shut down and had that big question mark of well, how long does this last? He's appeared on the Broadway stage in a couple of little shows, you may have heard. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, An American in Paris, Anastasia, Falsettos, Les Mis. Overachiever. Yeah, overachiever. We're talking about the one and only Maximilian Von Essen. Max, how are hey, you? Hey, Max, welcome. Um, um, thank you. Love that intro. I feel like I, I had a career once. <laughs> uh, we all feel that way. I know. Not about you necessarily, but about all. In, in general. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Middle Age Warriors. And, you know, this is the first thing, you know, I want to talk about in being an actor, particularly a, a Broadway actor, and those dealing with live performing this pandemic. What's life been like? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it. It's been really tough. And it's discouraging because, you know, I, I just want everyone to take it seriously so we can all get back to work. But I'm, I'm also thinking selfishly because the live performance industry it will be the really the last, you know, the, the, uh, the sports, you know, people in stadiums or, you know, concerts, Broadway. We will really be the last to come back. So I know you were, uh, you know, you've talked about, I think you go down to that area, by the way, Broadway in the yeah. district more than I do, and just, you know, how dark and quiet it is. I mean, we, as New Yorkers, take it for granted. We walk around there every day and night, and there's hustle and bustle. It's, you know, constant, and now it's gone, and it feels yeah. a little bit like a ghost town. It's, yeah, it's, and Broadway is really uh, just kind of a, a sad situation driving down 43rd Street or 44th Street now, or in Times Square. It just looks like Everybody is abandoned. Yeah, it's that old uh, Billy Joel, Miami 2017. That's they, right. Seen, seen the, the lights, lights go out on Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. yeah. Now, another uh, industry and form of entertainment also that's been impacted by this, but has managed uh, to salvage some, some uh, element of normality, if you will, and that's sports. And uh, one of our guests, uh, going all the way back into, I believe it was June, actually, we were talking about uh, Josh Lewin, who, a great broadcaster for wow, football, absolutely. baseball, basketball, Fox Sports, a Met announcer, a Cub announcer. Uh, he's done it all. But one of the things as a middle-aged warrior, I think that we do is re we reflect on, hey, what have, we, what have I actually accomplished in my life? Yeah. And I think one of the things that came out of this interview with Josh was that he realized he was so busy you know, chasing the next golden ring. And I think we all kind of get caught up in this, especially right. when we're younger. You forget to enjoy the process and to enjoy the view and to yeah. enjoy the ride. Right. The joy is in the ride. Yeah. I always say that. And I think he's reached this point in his life where he's realized that 
And it's really about sense of self-accomplishment now, not so much worrying about how the, the world views you. But the thing that he was reflecting on in this part of the interview was uh, the people actually that drove him to desire to become and take the career path that he did. So, I mean, just quintessentially my childhood was watching Ron France looking like he was, you know, uh, Denny Terrio on Dance Fever, but just like he was, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Rich Funky and Bill Pucko doing the sports on Channel 10. Wow. And yeah, and, and I just always wanted to be a sportscaster. And that was growing up in Rochester, New York. That was my uh, my scope. That was my universe. Rick Peckham, who went on to do the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey games. Uh, he was the, uh, the Rochester Americans hockey voice. I wanted to be like him. A guy named Jay Colley was the Rochester Red Wings baseball voice. I wanted to be like him. And that was absolutely uh, my, my childhood. I wanted to grow up and become those guys. Thanks, Josh. And it was great to have Josh on, Josh Lewin, who grew up in Rochester, New York, which is near and dear to me because I went to school in central New York. And one of the funny things that we didn't actually cover here is when Josh was set up for this interview, he thought he was coming on something called Middle Age Warriors, <laughs> as in W O R R I E R S. Well, we do worry a lot. We are, show, but, we uh, are warriors, absolutely. But we're so, warriors who worry, uh, or something was, like that. He was great to talk to, though. That was a lot of fun to see somebody actually, uh, you know, accomplish and fulfill their dreams as well. Now, as we moved deeper into the season, so to speak, we were also moving deeper into dealing with COVID. And what was up next was the first talk of there being a vaccine. And what was that going to be like? And I uh, tapped into a friend and a colleague that I had known since working in Philadelphia together. Mm -hmm. And then eventually on the Today Show a few times, Dr. Brian McDonough, who's uh, down in Philadelphia. You know, you've listened to Brian on radio, right? Yeah, I never, never really had the chance to talk with him and ask him questions, but I've certainly heard him on the radio for years, and he turned out to be everything and then some that we could have hoped. Yeah, I think the thing about uh, Dr. Brian I like the most is his his calming tone. He doesn't talk down to you or at you. He, he's not threatening you or else him wagging his finger at you as he's making suggestions of the best path to follow. And the other thing is he's okay with flexing and moving and making turns uh, in terms of direction in handling this virus and this outbreak. You, you know, you, you, some people have, they're caught up in their own egos. Right. And they say something in September, and then even though by December it's probably not the best path, they don't want to let go of it. No. He's he, willing to do that. And he's uh, not afraid to say, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let me find out. Well, maybe we were wrong back then, but what we're learning now, right. this is, you know, and that's what I liked about him so much. But this little uh, soundbite here is actually from one huh. of his visits to the Today Show with his wife. And it's, it's kind of a cute story. Uh, Dr. Brian, first of all, I think the last time I saw you, we were <laughs> together on the Today Show uh, doing something. that may, may have been the last time I did something yes. in person. But you've got a I problem. think it is last time and uh, yeah that no, last time and one of my favorite stories about today's show is you know you get to get you there super early you go the mm -hmm. night before and um i remember i would brought my wife a couple times and she loved the dinner and she loved that but getting up at 4 a.m to get into the today show didn't really uh, <laughs> excite her after a couple weeks and she's like you can go yourself it was it was a great experience and again reaching out to a lot of people in fact one of the times i remember you were there one of the times you did it i was actually talking about this new vaccine for rotavirus and rotatech's been around for mm. 20 some years 
And then Dr. Brian came on actually a second time when the vaccine started circulating to give some clarity to that as well. And I'm sure I have a feeling he's going to be a guest again as we continue to deal with this. But uh, just just a, a great calming voice and a voice of authority and knowledge. And, and we appreciate everything he's done for our show. And a decent guy. And yeah. by the way, uh, your Middle Age Warriors mug is on its way. <laughs> as we promised him. Yeah. yeah. So next up. A guest that's actually, he's got the hat trick. He's been on our show the most, uh, yeah. a comedian, Scott Blakeman. Scott is a New York comedian who I actually studied with uh, many, many moons ago. And Scott does a lot of political humor and certainly carved out his niche in this past election year. And we had a chance to talk with him not once, not twice, mm-hmm. three times a lady, <laughs> yeah, well, we, something like that. We spoke to him sort of well before the election and then right before the election and then uh, right on the uh, inauguration, I think, or the yeah. day after the inauguration. So, uh, but, but Scott's got a really cool perspective on politics. And this particular uh, little bite here was, was me going off a little bit about how far right some of the cable news sta- stations have gone and that it's almost taking on the form of being propaganda and how how uh, negative a force it is in our society. They sold their souls. I mean, they, they look like people that they sold their souls to the devil. I don't, what, what happened? Well, that's a big thing. And principle is a big thing. That's what look, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, uh, Chris Christie yeah. sold the soul to the devil and got nothing for it. At least Chris Christie is sort of redeemed himself by in, in right. certain ways. But no, I feel like, look, I was on Newsmax uh, from February to June every week. Uh, mostly in my bedroom, you know, <laughs> putting my nice jacket and tie on. And the anchor I was on with uh, is a good guy and treated me well and fairly. And I feel it saddens me. I haven't watched, but and then they, at that time, you know, I'd have to battle. But at least it, it was pretty much they weren't sprouting, spouting things that obviously were not true. Oh, and right. it saddens me that merely to get listeners, viewers, they would do that. And that's uh, and that's the same way these politicians just to appeal to this base of people. They will sell their souls and their principles just to say anything, just to appeal to them. So it's yeah. troubling. Scott Blakeman, just a, a prince amongst men and a very good comedian and a guy who's got his finger on the pulse of what's going on in New York City, at least from a laugh standpoint. And he has to have a sense of humor because he's a Met fan like us. too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, Scott's a, a great guy, and we thank him for being on the show with us and being available to us at a moment's notice. Yeah, he's been great for us. Hey, we want to give a second to talk about a new sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for because we know you're a sneaker fan. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been looking for. Yeah, with eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. Love a good authenticator. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators, they verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And... It also protects sellers with a verified return process. Yeah, actually, it's pretty cool. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Oh, everybody's ears perked up when they heard free. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. That's ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. See you later 
authenticator. <laughs> so next up, uh, a very big guest that we got just a few weeks ago. Now batting. <laughs> yeah, but and then, and I've known this woman for many many years, and just so genuine, one of the nicest down to earth people you're going to meet in the industry. And it was Meredith Vieira we had the pleasure to sit down with, and uh, and just chat about lots of things. I mean, there's there's plenty going on. And in her she's life. and she's what you see is what you get. She really is very accomplished career wise. Now she's a game show host for the time being. She had done Millionaire for a while, but of course before that. Uh, news correspondent, 60 Minutes, uh, the Today Show co-hosting, many, 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 The View. I mean, her the, the resume goes on and on she and on. Can't, she can't keep a job. No, apparently not. <laughs> but she always finds one. But uh, very funny lady and a very honest lady. And check so, out the story. Well, so leading into this question, it was kind of a serious question. I had seen some of the background and uh, she had struggled earlier on to uh, not so much to get pregnant, but to to hold the pregnancy, she had lost a, a couple of babies, and so she was undergoing different types of uh, approaches to her being able to see a baby through term. And uh, this is a story about. <laughs> Here's a story. What she was told. <laughs> Believe me, it doesn't sound funny on this lead-in. Listen, it's funny. It's funny. Creating a, a, a friendlier environment for mm -hmm. it, you know, an embryo to, to stick essentially. Mm -hmm. and, and so my doctor gave me suppositories, and and okay, so I take them home. Well, when you hear the word suppository, yeah, you, you stick it I in know your where mouth. Where you're going? You're I mean, that's where it goes. Who knew? Well, that's so fair. I'm doing that, and and finally I say to my husband, this, you know, I I don't understand everything. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. Um. So uh, I just don't understand how it goes from there right, to, to, there. to where so it has to odd. go. It, it just seemed odd to me. And finally, this goes weeks now, weeks of doing this, not a day. Oh my I go, I have my next appointment with my doctor. And then I said, you know, he's down checking, whatever. I said, you know, I, I apologize, but I'm, I, I don't get it. He said, what are you talking about? And I told him where I've been putting the suppository. He said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He oh said, God. they go in your vagina. But oh, at, le at least you were regular for a couple of weeks. Oh, my God. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God that didn't work. And I had to yeah, talk really. about the women who have a baby say it's like pooping a bowling ball. Well, yeah. Oh, how close wow. I came to that. Well, this um, my fault. <laughs> I've heard that story. I don't know how many times. I oh still, my god! I still, I still laugh. It's, that is so funny. And I appreciate her for being so honest and actually sharing that story with everybody. But, I'll tell you where to put that thing, right? Yeah, but that, but that tells you the kind of uh, the, the person she is. She's a great woman to be around, and we wish her and her husband and her family well and moving forward as well. So, one of the other things that came up, we we had a special Christmas show. Oh my goodness! And maybe I was feeling particularly grumpy this Christmas because of the whole COVID scenario and limited family gatherings and things of that nature. But we started talking about some of the classic Christmas specials and shows that are on every year. The Grinch, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, and of course, we're talking about Rudolph. Rudolph. The yeah. Yeah. And in reflecting years later, I started to notice something about the behavior of Santa Claus and Rudolph that, well, quite frankly, kind of pissed me off a little bit. So here's the explanation. So the scene in that movie where the blizzard comes and I mean, it was it was always so exciting to me. And, and it really, to me, when that show came on, which, by the way, back in the days when we were growing up, it was on one time and right. one time only. You didn't right. get it on every weekend. You couldn't get it on 16 other stations. See you next year. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't on demand. If you missed it, you missed it. Right, until next year. 
So it really had value and importance. And it was like a big thing when it was going to be on you, you allotted time. Nope. Can't be out that night. Can't go shopping that we've got Rudolph on at eight o'clock. And as I watched it, as I got older, now there's a scene in there yeah. at where Rudolph is very young and, and, and Donner covers his nose with that little black rubber piece or whatever. But then <laughs> the muzzle, the, whatever, the, the snuzzle, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> he then kind of hits it off with Clarice, the, the, the young uh, uh, doe there. He's all excited and, he, and she thinks I'm cute. And he starts jumping in the air and he, oh, and they're all looking. Oh, my goodness. Look at this young buck. He can fly already. And, and then all the buddies are coming near him and, you know, congratulating him. And they knock the little piece off his nose. Yeah, they headbutt him. They right. high-fived him. They high-fived him. And it falls off. And then, of course, the nose is wink, and it glows. And everybody's freaking out. And Santa was there observing. Santa. Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. The nice the Santa Claus. Yes, the nice giving Santa Claus, you know, with the ho-ho-ho and the, and the big belly and the nice white beard. And he turns to Donner and he says, oh, Donner, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's a shame. And I later in life, I'm thinking he should be ashamed of himself that his son has quote unquote, a disability, a, a, disability, a red <laughs> nose, which then P.S. by the way, who does Santa need when the fog rolled in? Oh, Rudolph. Rudolph. Yeah. Why don't you lead my sleigh tonight? Because I have fog. And that's where Rudolph should have turned in my version. You know what, Santa? Take your Screw sleigh, you. Take your reindeer and you know where to put them. <laughs> <laughs> Get a spotlight on your sleigh and you take care of business. I'm out. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, but in, in the PC world of today, yeah. I don't think that was very PC. No, absolutely not, though. Mm. I think it would be fun. Maybe next year we'll think about this as a Christmas present to ourselves is we'll do our own dialogue for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, we'll take the video, load, knock down the audio, and we'll put our own audio? Absolutely. Like, like, that could, screw oh, you, Santa. Could, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> the know, reindeer really. go on strike? Yeah, that's it, man. Santa's a prick. He's, he was mean to my son. <laughs> <laughs> Santa sucks. Uh, oh, God. Sorry. Uh, anyway. So with that, uh, I want to go back to some of the other guests uh, that we didn't have time to get clips of, but certainly they took the time to be on our show, and we really appreciate we it. We really do. You know, going back to the start, our, our first uh, guest after COVID was Anne-Marie Duchesne, who is a uh, basically, a, a, I guess, a, a life coach for people, uh, both health and mental wellness. Uh, I've worked with her many years, and she really was a great guest in terms of, I think, putting our focus in the right place when we were all feeling so down and depressed about the pandemic and the lockdown. And what do we do now? Yeah. We're stuck I mean, inside. That was, that was like back last March, right? Yeah. That was yeah. Uh, end of March, early April. And wow. then, then we had Jane Hansen, who I worked with many years. A uh, wonderful Jane was anchor. great. Yeah. Talk about reinventing your career and uh, kind of shaking off the dust of where you were and doing something brand new yeah. and doing it better and enjoying it more. Yeah, and again, that's a, she's a classic example of a middle-aged warrior, and a female version of the middle-aged warrior. My buddy uh, down in Florida, meteorologist, friend of mine, uh, Steve McLaughlin. He's with the NBC station down in Florida, NBC6. Oh, yeah. We talked about global warming. We talked about climate change and some of the dramatic weather that was going on. Is this planet warm, or is it just me? Is it just me? Is it Well, it could be a little bit. You know, It could be hormonal for you now. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. in that age. Uh, we also had on Cheryl Benton, who, uh. Uh, another woman... Uh, who has continuously evolved. She didn't like, if I remember right, she didn't like the term reinventing. I think she liked the evolution. 
She you know, Cheryl uh, has an amazing track record in advertising. She's an executive. And Cheryl and her daughter, Ronnie, uh, founded a website for women of a certain age. I think mm -hmm. that's, I think they put that in quotes. Right. Called The Three Tomatoes, right. threetomatoes.com. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl and Ronnie were just a joy to talk to. Yeah, it's a fun thing to check out, uh, particularly for our female listeners or male listeners as well. Then we had the pleasure in May as we were deciding or they were trying to figure out if baseball was going to be played. Oh, uh, yeah. We got to sit down with John Franco, ex-Mets. John Franco. But he, uh, you know, he gave a lot of his time and really told some fun stories just about, you know, here's a guy from Brooklyn, you know, basically my age, kind of we grew up in the same era, same time frame, same social strata, and he was becoming a baseball hero. Listen, I hate to knock you down, but mm -hmm. he's not your age. He's my age, well, which is older than you. Yeah, he's only about a year older. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are already in that uh, big 6-0 category. Oh, God. But, yeah. After that, we had a friend of yours also, again, somebody who, uh, for health reasons and acupuncture and, and self-healing, uh, Amy Houseman. Oh, Amy. Yeah, the acupuncturist. She was great. She had some great ideas and thoughts. Again, we were using and utilizing and hopefully helping the audience get through some of the issues that, you know, when, you, when we got into that lockdown, let's be honest, it was not only mental, it started to become a physical thing because uh, that could really drain on you after a while. It's hard to believe that it could be relaxing having needles stuck in you. But I've got to tell you, yeah. as somebody who's done acupuncture for 20 years, yeah. mwah, really? See, I've never had it done. I, I guess I, I... Here, give me that. Give me that needle yeah, no, right that, now. No, not that kind of a needle. No, wrong. <laughs> That's a pen, first of all. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, we also had Wayne Lonstein. Now, Wayne, uh, this was a great guest because Wayne covered everything. He had great stories from the sports side because he's, he's connected through... Uh, as I guess, a, like a player as, agent. As a player almost. agent. Uh, he's got a great background and knowledge about technology and social media and how that operates and and all the ins and outs of that in terms of security and even you know just talking about uh, silencing things uh, you know in terms of think of what they did for example even you know with Trump or you know taking people's Twitter accounts and shutting them down what's right what's wrong about that type of thing it's a it was a great conversation Wayne is a lawyer by profession a judge in, um, I guess, Ellenville, New York. Mm -hmm. Huge, and I do mean huge, baseball fan. Uh, and that show we did with him was about lost tapes of Jackie Robinson mm -hmm. being interviewed that he happened upon that his father his had done had, yeah. many years ago that are now in the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is, I mean, cooler than you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I mean, we went into his office and the, the memorabilia, the sports oh, yeah. memorabilia all around the office was, was tremendous. Our guest after that, uh, you might know her. I'm not really sure. Uh, this gal goes by the name of Valerie Small. <laughs> I know her. Oh, your better half. You yes. better know her. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she is my better half. But Valerie stopped by. Actually, we've had Valerie on a couple of times, and she is another classic example of a woman in middle age who, who has now you know reinvented herself and and come up with new ways and new paths to still find relevance, self relevance, value. And uh, importance. Yeah, she's a very. This is a very determined woman, and a beautiful woman, I might add. At that, Thank if you, you don't mind and me saying. By the way, she is also the voice you hear at the top of the show. Is that the same Valerie Small? It is. Who knew? And oh. we owe her money or yeah, something. Yeah, right. I know. Never mind that. <laughs> or something. She's still waiting on that check. Oh yeah. Okay. A, a great guest that you were able to get for us, actually, a comedian and writer, and 
Billy Van Zandt. Yeah, Billy was great. I mean, he, he's he's written for so many sitcoms. Over yeah, the he's written for sitcoms. He's met Lucille Ball, and he was telling us some very, very funny stories about Don Rickles, yeah. who he's worked with over the years. Billy is uh, in L.A. He's New Jersey-based, mm -hmm. but uh, he's in Los Angeles now. Brother of? Stephen Van Zandt. That's right. Of Springsteen. That's a talented family. family. Yes, they think are. Think about the two of them. I know. But, uh, he was a great guest. Hey, guys, go back and listen to that one, because that, kind of, that was really a fun show, and that's what we'd like to call an evergreen show. It, it didn't, have, didn't matter what time of the yeah. year you listen to it or when you listen to it. It's just there's some fun stories in there. Uh, then we had a couple of finance people in talking about the impacts on the stock market and uh, real estate that COVID had. And that was uh, Mitch Rochelle, a friend Mitch, of mine. Yeah, uh, Mitch he was, was a great. Yes, great, great information. And you can find him many times uh, on all the different uh, networks of Fox News, Fox Business. Uh, Ron Insano. I love from Ron. From CNBC. Ron, a great guy. Oh, my goodness. He was a pleasure to have on. I've known Ron for many, many years. Just a sweet man and a good guy. And also delivered some really honest, straightforward information. And, of course, we wrapped up. We had different shows with the Super Bowl theme, Christmas theme, New Year's theme, blah, blah, blah. And our last guest, actually, prior to the show, uh, let's not forget, Len Berman. Oh, my a goodness. sports icon. Yeah. Really just some great stories from Len, too. I mean, that's one that could have gone on for a really long time. And our, probably our greatest storyteller that required two parts, the one and only Jeffrey Lyons. Jeff Lyons. Oh. <laughs> movie critic uh, extraordinaire. And uh, just hearing stories from him about... You know, Marilyn Monroe and, and, and Joe DiMaggio in his parents' dining room while he was a little kid. Or, yeah. You know, teaching Richard Burton how to bunt, you know, in Central Park. Like, uh, this guy's life just it blows my mind, the stories. It, yeah. It's incredible not, stuff. He's not shy. And uh, <laughs> no. cer certainly he's not short on words. And he was a pleasure to talk to and to listen to. So Yeah, that's another great show that you could also sort of go back on. So in reflecting in year one, Rick, anything in particular jumps out at you that you liked, didn't like, and what do you see the future for us? You know what? First of all, I want to say thank you to you because uh, this show doesn't exist without both of us, but yes. really you. I'm glad you said you that. Because you do a lot of all the production. I mean, and you work really, really hard. And uh, it's been... I don't know that it's been a labor of love, but no, from my perspective, <laughs> it's just been a joy to have this time to spend with you every week and to be able to just talk about shit. You know, it's a, it's a great, I think, opportunity for us as, as middle-aged men to share what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and others to share oh, their points of view. And that well. reminds me, the show on loss we did mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago was just was stuff that metals should be awarded for because well, I thought it was great. That might be a stretch, but I think just what I realized after that is just being honest sometimes and just being truthful about what you're feeling and what you went through when people hear other people's stories that suddenly is very healing to them and it makes them, I think, understand and accept their own feelings easier. I think sometimes there's resistance. People either don't like the way they're feeling about something in terms of loss or they think they should be feeling a certain way because of loss and I think that show in particular because the feedback from that show was phenomenal I have to be honest and I'm yeah. still getting it and I'm glad I mean it's all very positive and people are saying you've really helped me and you and you made me think yeah I'm going I'm going to get over this and realize I will get over this and hey if we can help one person on this show mission accomplished as and you I'm know concerned. what the truth is nobody is immune to loss whether no. it's a loved one a pet, a job, uh, something valuable, whatever it is, you're gonna you're gonna lose. 
No, it, it, it's an inevitable process. But along the way, we want, uh, while we have it, let's enjoy life. And that's Absolutely. what we're trying to do here. And I, I'm feeling optimistic. I think <laughs> we're turning the proverbial corner, not to use that quote again, but I think we are turning the corner on, on things with the virus. And hopefully in little steps, let's be patient. Yeah. Let's hang in there. Let's not get stupid. But at the same time, let's look forward to uh, getting back our lives a little bit once again. And let's cheers again for a happy anniversary. One more. One more. Here are the glasses. Oh, ah. they, they sound empty. I think more this, wine. This one is. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the Italian red. Mm. My pleasure. Molto bene. And the moussaka for lunch. Yeah. On that note, uh, we will see you uh, next time around. Yeah. Sunshine always. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay warm. Be good. Feel good. And thank you so much for supporting us this year. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy anniversary. 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 Oh, God. There you go. Thank God we don't uh, make a <laughs> Thank you. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcast. You can also follow my blog about my travels, my past, and my societal observations for what that's worth. That's at ChrisSeminoWeather.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at ChrisSeminoWeather. I sense a trend here. On Twitter, it's at Sabino for the number four NY. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.